Let's hear God's word, John 7, verses 37 through 39. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. Now this is said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, please speak to us. Please teach us how to pray to you, how to praise you, how to commune with you. Your word is right before us, in our heart, on our mind. Oh Lord, please implant your everlasting love again and again today. Let us rejoice in your provision and your holy word and your precious, most blessed Son of God in our heart. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Our text says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. I want you to think what it was like. There are thousands of people gathering together. It's a seven-day-long holiday. It's a great holiday, I think. And they wanted to celebrate the feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. It was to commemorate the life, the, the life in the wilderness of the Israelites for 40 years. God protected them. God provided food and water for them. Especially, if you remember, the water was flowing from a rock. So it was a very miraculous thing. They wanted to remember and give thanks to the Lord who protected their ancestor. So during this holiday, people would pitch a tent on the roof of their houses or in their backyard or front yard. And they basically stayed the whole time in their tent. I'm not sure if you like camping or not. Uh, I'm not a camper, and I don't like bugs, anything. So whenever I kind of got to know this kind of scene, for me, it might have been a nightmare, but I don't know, my, maybe not to them. The point is that it was a very joyful holiday. They were celebrating their seven-day holiday, enjoying one another's presence, remembering God's word and God's protection, and also they we're celebrating the harvest in the fall. Most likely this scene is in sometime in October. So our text says, it was on the last day of the feast. It was not on the seventh day. Uh, I thought it was seventh, but the commentator is saying it is on the eighth day. During the whole time, the priests basically uh, took some water from uh, Siloam, and pour the water out on the altar 
That was kind of daily ceremony. But on the eighth day, they didn't do that ceremony. That's the context. So there is no more water-related uh, ceremony today. And Jesus is here. Actually, he came to this crowd secretly. His brothers wanted to go with him or encourage him to go up there, but he didn't want to do that. He just came to the scene in a secret, in a private matter. In the middle of the seven-day holiday, he started to teach people, but it didn't go well. He received lots of oppositions. People didn't believe him. People didn't think that he was from God the Father. And Jesus said, if you really want to do God's will, you will know that my teaching is from my God, my Father. And obviously, things have not really gone well. On the last day, on the eighth day, Jesus is now standing up. There are thousands of people, you know, can picture that. And he's shouting out. He's crying out. As I was reading this phrase, I could feel his urgency. Right? Why did he have to shout out, cry out before the thousands of people? Because he had the gospel. Right? Because he himself was the good news. But people didn't accept it. People didn't know what to do about their life. Every man here has longing for eternity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, right? God has planted eternity in man's heart. By nature, we all know that something is not right with us. Our life shouldn't be this way. Why are we so filled with sin? Why am I struggling with my guilt? What am I, the sins that I committed five years ago or ten years ago? Or even yesterday, even this morning. What about my corruption? What about the corruption of the world? We long for eternity. But sadly, our sin is very manipulative, right? It doesn't teach us how to save ourselves. Many people can think of some way to receive eternal life, save themselves. They come up with some religions, some ways some whatever it is to solve their problem. Also, some people want to just deny this built-in urge to long for eternal life. We are totally helpless and hopeless. In that context, our Lord is shouting to them. And I have to say, He's shouting to us this morning. Look at me. I am the bread of life. Look at me. I have the answer. I have the living water. I can save you. Come to me and drink of me. There's no other name under heaven by which you can be saved except for the name of Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, what is the gospel? As I was preparing for this sermon, but I have to be honest with you, my sermon manuscript says actually it is on July 7th, 2019. 
I preached this sermon uh, at my church. I served there for uh, four and a half, like five years as their pastor. I didn't have time to prepare for a sermon. There was some, some story. So I wanted to prepare a brand new sermon on this text. That's what I was doing yesterday. And then uh, time was so limited, I couldn't do that. So I thought, you know what, let's just pull up my old sermon. But as I was preparing a brand new sermon, my point, oh, the point of the sermon was getting to the gospel. What is the gospel really? Micah, you are saying you are a preacher of the gospel. Then what is it? And why you don't have this urgency that your Lord has here? Do you remember how the gospel of Mark starts? It is the beginning, beginnings of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's how I started to think about the gospel again yesterday. Okay, the gospel is about God, about His Son, concerning His Son, prophesied, promised in the Old Testament, and now declared to us. He died for us. We have been crucified with Him. So it is no longer I who lives in me, but it is Christ who lives in me, who died for me, who gave Himself up for me. Are you thirsty? That's His assumption. Our Lord is assuming here that everyone is thirsty. Everyone thirsts for something, for eternal life, for their own gospel that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Everyone is a sinner. Do you believe that? It says, if anyone, whoever, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. May I ask you this way? Is there anyone who is saying, I, 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 I know what you're saying, but I'm struggling with the sin that I committed a year ago, or five years ago, or ten years ago. Maybe you lied to someone. Maybe you made up your own horrendous lies about other people. Or maybe you committed some fornication. Maybe it was an adultery. Whatever it was, you are saying, I committed those sins when I was a believer. If only, only if I was an unbeliever when I committed those sins, I would have said, yes, I can come to the Lord. But no, I was a believer. I was a born-again believer, but I have been backsliding, backsliding for a long time. I committed those sins, and now I really don't know how to handle, manage my own sins, my guilt-ridden conscience. So don't say to me that come to Jesus, because I have to atone for my own sins. If anyone thinks that way, let me say to you, you are thirsty. Therefore, you must come. You can bring up, you can work up your own repentance. You have to come to Christ so that only after that you can repent. 
It's not like you have to repent. You have to come up with your own atonement for your sin. Then you can come. No. You have to come to Christ. Or is there anyone who thinks that I'm okay? I already have come to Christ. And I don't feel any thirst for Christ. Maybe because I've been doing well. Maybe because I've lived a very righteous life. Maybe because my life has been going well. Maybe because my family is great. Maybe because I've been going to church weekly. And maybe because I have not committed any scandalous sins. So don't say that. I have to come. I am thirsty. And actually, that's a sheer proof evidence that you are thirsty. From God's perspective, you are dehydrated. (laughs) Your dehydration has been severe. That's why you don't know you are thirsty. Dear brothers and sisters, come to Christ like a deer pants for living streams. My soul pants for you, O Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, is there anyone who is dealing with their own depressions? Maybe financially, maybe relationally, maybe for whatever reason, your life has been so difficult. You have been swamped in your own pit. You know that you are saved. You know that you love Christ, but you don't know why you feel so gloomy, down, powerless. Let me tell you, come to Christ. Don't ever try to solve that problem. Then come to Christ. No, you have to come to Christ before God can give you the living water. What I'm trying to say is that it is for everyone. There's no discrimination whether you are a horrendous sinner or not whether you have been born again or not, whether you are a very immature Christian or mature Christian, come to Christ. Believe in Him. The gospel is very simple. God is saying, everyone who doesn't have money, come and buy milk and water. Right? Remember Isaiah 55? It is an invitation to everyone God doesn't find any delight in the destruction of any man in their sin. 2 Peter 3.9 God is patient with you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Therefore, I am inviting myself actually to Christ. Let's receive Christ. I know it's a very simple thing, but it's the very gift from God to us. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It echoes actually what he said in uh, chapter 4. Do you remember the scene where uh, our Lord meets with the woman at the well? And our Lord said, if you knew me, exactly, if you knew the gifts of God and who it is that it is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, he would have given you living water. In a sense, that's what our Lord has been teaching again and again. 
He has the living water, believing Christ. What does that mean to come to Christ, believing Christ? It means that you surrender yourself to Him. Even don't try to manage your own sin. Don't be hypocritical about your own sin management control system. No one can do that. He's saying, come to me. Learn from me. Sit down with me. Sub with me. And listen to me. And pray to me. And receive me. And obviously, the living water here refers to the Holy Spirit. And our Lord hasn't been crucified. Hasn't been resurrected. So the Holy Spirit hasn't been poured out upon uh, the New Testament church. That doesn't mean that the Spirit of God wasn't here in our sin. Here is the background again. If you remember, our Lord uh, provided them uh, water for them flowing to, to, from the rock. It was a miraculous thing. And again, on the eighth day, they didn't do this water-related ritual. But Jesus saying, come to me. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What does that mean? Very simple. He's saying, I am the rock, by the way. That's kind of Old Testament imagery going on here. He's playing some Old Testament imagery. Jesus has to be killed. On the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, our Lord prophesied or talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And on the eighth day of the Pentecost, what happened? The Holy Spirit was coming down upon the New Testament church. Basically, what he's saying, I am the rock. But in order, for me, in order for me to give you water, I must be smitten. I must be stricken. That's what he's saying. <laughs> Very simple, isn't it? In the Old Testament, yes, God provided water for them, miraculously, coming from the rock. But in reality, in actuality, that rock was me. That typified me. And now I am again prophesying. I'm again shouting to you. I am the one who was prophesied, promised again and again. And I'm going to be smitten, stricken for you. We find his urgency. He finds his own desperateness, in a sense, to save them because he doesn't want to see anyone perishing. I read a sermon on uh, this text by Charles Spurgeon. He's saying this, I mean, just quotation. If at this time an invitation be not pressed upon them, they will forget the teaching they have heard. They will probably never hear anymore, and they will die in their sins. Continually, the master's face is beaming with holy affection, and his eyes steaming with tears, 
It is a now or never thing with him and with them. Dear brothers and sisters, our Lord is the same way still. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to overflow with the Holy Spirit. Now the urgency is much bigger than before. The reason is because the Holy Spirit has already been poured out upon us. Our Lord was already stricken, smitten. He was the smitten rock. And we have everything for His ministry, for our Christian life. God has provided everything for our own godly life. So let me ask you this way. What does that mean for you that the living water is flowing out of your heart? <laughs> it's all my own mental picture. As I keep thinking that, rivers of living water, even not even uh, singular, rivers of living water are coming out of my own heart. Which means... I am some kind of in the ocean. That's how I picture it. <laughs> I'm kind of like swamped by the whole water overflowing me. It's not like some kind of bottled water here, right? Coming out of this, you know, whatever it is, plastic. <laughs> but it is rivers of the living water. Dear community, OPC Church, it should be your case, my case. This the water, this living water must flow to other people. To ourselves first, obviously. To our friends. To our family members who don't know Christ. To anyone who doesn't know Christ. Also to the people who know Christ as well, that we can help one another, encourage one another to grow as well. How can we let it observe that? How can we eyewitness this sin? That was my own question yesterday. There is one thing to say, okay, it's a beautiful sin. Rivers of the living water are flowing out of me. But why do I not feel that way? Why do I not even eyewitness this sin in my life? And again, I noticed that my question, because you haven't come to me. That was the answer. You must come to me. You have been dehydrated for so many days or months or years. When was the last time you really surrendered yourself to me? When was the last time you really sit down, kneel down before me and pray to me for your repentance, for your revival? Dear brothers and sisters, it should be our case right now. Even though the gospel may sound very simple, I know that Christ died for me, but that should be a reality in us. What is the obstacle to you? Why can you come to Christ? Why can you repent? Why can you ask for repentance, the grace of repentance? The living water, the revival. Dear church, we have to pray, really. Oh, 
I don't actually like the title pastor or reverend because just personal. I mean, okay, I mean, I shouldn't have said. I just move on. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so weak. Many times I wonder. And I know the answer because I don't come to Christ as often as I'm supposed to. And that second question, okay, you know the answer, but why you don't do it? Because you don't pray. I'm not saying that is your case. I'm not saying you are as miserable as the person standing before you. But I want you to thrive in God's grace. With God's grace. I want you to meditate upon this text today. In a sense, it's only like two, three verses. In a sense, this sermon, I intended to be, actually I cut out some paragraphs here. (laughs) Uh, It's my strategy. Whenever I'm invited uh, to preach, I tend to preach shorter than what I would normally do. Then people, then invite me again then. (laughs) And also, there's time, you have, we need to get, to know each other, get used to, you have to get used to this beautiful accent. And you, you, you have to get used to the way I do the logic. So if I do like 40 minute long sermon, I thought, hmm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Rather, I want to make a shorter sermon, but powerful. So I prayed for you last night. <laughs> Lord, no matter how beautifully I make or revise my manuscript, it is not me who can change that. It is you. So I'd rather pray for them. And I want to see them and see myself change today. After this service, or at home, even before lunch, I want to see you kneeling down before the Lord and asking, Oh Lord, my smitten rock, the one who died for me, show me your glory again. Make manifest your beauty again. When you first saved me, revive my soul again, just like a weaned child resting in his mother's arms. Lord, please purify me. Purify them. Purify everyone that I know. Jesus has been glorified. Our text said, because he was not yet glorified, But he has been, John 17, to remember how he prayed, Lord, glorify me that I may glorify you. It is eternal life that they know you and me and glorify them as well. Embrace them. Let's embrace them to us. Let them taste the Holy Trinitarian beauty. Let them become one with us. And whenever, wherever they are, let others know that they are sent by us. And they know that they are loved by us. O Lord, glorify me. At the cross, God the Father glorified His Son. His righteousness was revealed more manifestly, right? And also His mercy was manifested more powerfully. He abandoned His own Son for us. That love of God 
was magnified at the cross. Dear brothers and sisters, my personal story, and that's it now. I have adopted a son. I'm a father. Please, let me finish the sentence. But he's not a human being. He's a beautiful, the most beautiful dog in the world. I call him my son. And some friends of mine rebuked me. You should not call your dog a son. But I always said, isn't it interesting? God the Father calls me a son. Then they all became quiet. (laughs) I love my dog. I don't know, I just love him. Uh, We play with each other all the time. He's 14 months old now. I got him when he was eight weeks old, like little tiny small cavalier and poodle. His name's Champion, so I call him Champ. When I call him Champion, he knows the discipline is coming. And yesterday, I thought this way. I love him. I'm, I'm thankful to the Lord for my dog. He's really my adopted son. And suddenly I thought, if God allows me to marry someone in the future, if God really allows me to have children, can I choose my dog over my own biological daughter or son? And right there, no matter how many times I said to other people, I love my dog, I said, what are you talking about, Micah? What do you mean you would choose your dog over your son? That's nonsense, right? That's again, I felt the love of God again. He abandoned his own son to save us. Are like wretch. May I say it that way? We don't deserve his love. But he chose us over his only begotten son at the cross. And I said, Hallelujah, O Lord. You revived my soul again through my dog. Suddenly. Last night, you chose me like a dog or wretch, and you abandoned your own son. How can I understand that again? It's impossible for me to understand. Forgive me of my sin again, O Lord. All my hidden sins, all my scandalous sins, even those sins that no one knows me, O Lord, but I'm okay. There's no condemnation because I am in your son. Your son already died for me. And I am under his living water. It's like an ocean. I'm safe forever. Who's going to accuse me of my sins? Who's going to condemn me? No one. No one can do that. God, Jesus died for me. Dear brother and sister, he died for you. Don't ever overestimate your own sin, your failings. Whatever it is, his blood is wider, deeper, more powerful. Receive him. He will let you know God the Father loves you so much. And he himself loves you infinitely. Give yourself to him. He's the answer. He's the gospel. 
It's not going to get better than that. That's it. And we're going to understand it more and more deeply, personally. Oh, hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, please revive our souls. Your Son died for us at the cross. Again, with this simple, must become the most precious, wonderful truth in our life. Oh Lord, we are thirsty. Let us run to your Son. Let us drink of Him. Let us swim in the ocean of the knowledge of God. Let us swim in the ocean of Jesus' blood, O oh Lord. We are yours and you are ours. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.